Amen. Well, I believe uh, winter is on its way, or here, or something. So, how many forgot to put an ice scraper in your car? Both my cars are missing it. So. Um, good morning. If you weren't here last week, we began a series titled Simple, uh, What Matters? We all long to live lives that are simple, that are um, uncomplicated, uncluttered, free from distraction, uh, but it's very hard to do. We have these smartphones, right, that make us smarter. Um, they help us to be organized and to, to, to live simpler lives, but a lot of the time we're slaves to these things, right? We're like walking around with our head down and, and uh, not paying attention to life. And one of the biggest culprits of, of preventing us from connecting with others, we talked about this last week, was, was time. We're so busy running around doing everything else in life, uh, and it prevents us from really, really connecting with another human being. We all agree that Legos, if you're a parent, uh, hurt really bad when you step on them barefoot. We established that last week. And, uh, but a Lego is only good for what? To connect. To connect. And that translates into you and me, we're better together. We're better together connected. So no matter what your age or what your stage or status is in life, if you're married or single, if you're an empty nester or got a house full of kids or you're a follower of Christ this morning or you're still searching uh, this Christ thing out, I, I think we all long for something simple for what matters most. That connection with others has to be an intentional part on our part. I told the story of Jesus fixing breakfast for, for Peter and some of the disciples uh, on the lake, uh, lake Galilee on the shore there, and, and so they had been fishing all night. You know the story, and Jesus says, hey, you guys caught any fish? And they're like, no, and so they, he said, throw your net on the other side of the boat. So they do that, and they caught a bunch of fish. They, they swim in, you know, they get back to the shore, and Jesus has breakfast for them, and, and uh, then he, he turns and he looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? Do, do you really love me? Are, are you even my friend? Those are the basic questions that, that Jesus asked Peter. And Peter responds, of course I do. How can you ask that, right? And he's kind of hurt by these questions from Jesus. It wasn't enough for, for Peter to, to have a relationship with Jesus. It wasn't enough. Peter needed to care for the followers of Jesus, his sheep, his lambs. And to care and relate to others requires a Lego-type connection, Peter needed to demonstrate his love for Jesus by loving others around him. And Jesus looks into your eyes and my eyes this morning, and he, he asks the same questions. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Are you even my friend? And it's not enough for us just to have a relationship with Jesus, to show up at church once a week and we've done our thing. That, it's not enough. We are called to love God by loving others and caring for his people. People matter. Relationships matter. Connecting is important. What would your life look like if you truly got intentional about the con connecting with others on a deeper level? What would this church look like if we truly valued relationships and made a point to connect with others? Last week, I put up the acrostic K-I-S-S, -S, and this is what most of you immediately thought of. You thought of this. this that is not right. <laughs> Shame, shame, shame on you, all right? No, it means keep it simple. Uh, it's not stupid. We don't say that in church, right? Simple. We 
Keep it simple, saint. And I gave you a Hershey kiss last week. I don't think that I've ever seen a picture of kiss in church. That's, that's, a, that's a first right there, right there. Okay. <laughs> Forgive me. Okay. Um, but I still believe deep down, all of us want our lives to have meaning and purpose. Um, to live simple, to live for what matters. I, I really, I believe that. Peel away the, the, the stuff that surrounds our life. I believe deep down you want to have meaning and purpose. There's this, this gnawing ache in all, all of us, every one of us, to connect in a meaningful way with someone else. It's put there by God. Last week I set out before you this thought that if you could boil all of life down, marriage and work and money and relationships and school and everything that we are involved in, boil it all down to three things, would you be interested in that? Would you want to know what that is? To really connect with God and to really connect with others. To change and to become more like Christ. The third thing is to cultivate a heart to serve others in need. Those three things may not be simple in of themselves. They, they won't happen overnight in our life, but they will help you measure what matters most in your life. It, it really will. Especially as we head into the holidays where people are lonely, people are in great need. Change. Change. What thoughts or, or ideas pop into your brain when you hear that word? Good things? Bad things? Not enough coffee, so nothing is popping into your brain. But wouldn't you agree, we like change when it's in our favor. And we don't like change when it's not in our favor. Are you with me? Yeah? We're in favor of all the change, something different when it benefits us. We're, we're against change when um, it causes us dif- discomfort, when it causes us pain. We're, we resist it, right? We're human, we like the changing of the seasons. We're about to enter the polar vortex, part two, right? So get ready for that. Um, how many like the fall season? That's your favorite. How many like winter? Okay. How many like spring, summer? How many don't care? Okay. <laughs> we like the updated, you know, uh, changing features on our cars, um, our gadgets, our homes, right? Things that are updated. I'm so glad that we, you know, have heaters and we have air conditioners and we don't have to go outside to a porta potty nowadays. You know, we have we we're, we're modernizing. We're getting its change, but there's not enough time today to talk about all the changes that we hate. So we won't go there. But if we really think about it, change is everywhere. Have you ever noticed that how difficult change is? Have you ever just stopped and thought about it? Change is, is hard. It's 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 hard to break um, and to change some bad habits. It's hard to, to change and start healthy good habits, all right? Um, change is grueling because it requires action. It requires effort. It requires motion on our part. The verb change is defined to make different from what it is or from what it would be if left alone to transform. So a show of hands again this morning. How many can honestly say that you are different today, good or bad, than you were one year ago, okay? Maybe, maybe it was a new job or a career change. Maybe it was a, a divorce or a death in the family of a loved one. Maybe it's money issues or, or some major circumstance that you've been going through. Some good changes, some bad changes, some painful ones. And we look back and we actually can see the changes in ourselves, right? We can look back and say, wow, this is how far I've come. At the time, again, we don't like the changes necessarily, but here we are. 
changes saying that we are now different from how we once were. So in our context today, in this series, Simple, um, change is the process of becoming more like Jesus. Change is the process of becoming more like Jesus. It's a process. It won't happen instantly, overnight. Change is becoming more. It's getting healthier, whether that's getting healthier spiritually, emotionally, relationally, or mentally, physically. In every way, we're, getting, we're becoming more, okay? Um, change is being like Jesus, not just a historical figure, a good person, a, a good teacher. No, be like Jesus, the actual Son of God. That's our goal. He's the best example for us to follow. So when change happens in your life and it causes this process to begin to become more like Jesus, how do you react? How do you respond? Does it frustrate you when, when, when the change doesn't happen instantly? I know that frustrates me. Do you see yourself becoming a healthier person from the inside out? Or do you just throw your hands up in the, in the air like you just don't care? Des- you, you, I have to say that, right? Um, in despair because um, it seems that you'll never become more like Jesus. You struggle with anger and you're like, ah. Or you struggle with something and it frustrates you and you're just like, I just want to give up. If you could imagine a ruler that reveals how much we measure up to Jesus, the question is, how, where, where are we in that line? Where are we? Are we, are we at the beginning? Maybe that's where some of you are. Are we, are we halfway? Where are we in this, this measuring line? About seven or eight years ago, when I lived in Pittsburgh, I got three speeding tickets in a span of two years. Don't look at me that way. I know some of you were shocked by that. No, you're not. You're not shocked by that. <clears throat> and you know what? I don't see any halos over here. You guys, you want to tell your secrets? All right. Anyway, um, the pain of pain for those tickets, uh, I had to make a change in my life. I had to do something. I told Julie that I was now part of the slow club when it comes to driving. I was, I'm that guy on the highway, okay? That's me sometimes. You have to go around. All right. But I had to, to change my behavior uh, to make some drastic changes in my life when it came to driving, okay? I was always in a hurry to get someplace uh, for a meeting or something. I wanted to be on time or early and, and uh, whatever, and I, I just had to be more conscious of my speeds, which I became. I'm not saying I'm a saint today um, when it comes to my driving speeds, but I haven't got a, ticket, a speeding ticket since or any ticket. And I tell you that story to tell you that um, I had to make some changes, the pain was great. Opening my wallet and paying for those tickets, that was painful, okay? I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to cause pain on my family, right? Because of my, uh, of not obeying the law and doing what was right. Now, granted, speeding is certainly not as serious to change as other deep emotional, or relational, or physical, or mental behaviors or issues that we struggle with at times, but I just make a point today that because of there was pain and pain for those tickets, I had to make some changes. And sometimes that's what we have to do in life. We have to make some changes. Um, pain drives us to change, doesn't it? No pun intended there, okay? Pain drives us to change. When the pain in our lives is too great, it's time to make that change. And although it's hard to do, we're faced with two options. Either we change or we endure the pain. 
And some of us, at times, we choose to live with our pain. We like to, you know, it's like we get numb to our own pain. We know it's there, we know it's there, but we just don't deal with it. And we live our lives in a very unhealthy way. When, when Christ wants to free us, Christ wants to heal us. The prophet Jeremiah, he was a, a major player in, in the history of Israel. And the people of God continued to sin. They continued to worship idols and ignoring Jeremiah's warnings. And they refused to repent and turn to God. So here are Jeremiah's, here are God's words to Jeremiah to the people found in, in Jeremiah chapter 17. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. Verse 6, they are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. Verse 7, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. For those who put their trust in the Lord, verse 8 says this, they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach down deep into the water. And such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. And then hear what God says about all of humanity, about you and I this morning. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Then God kind of taunts us with this question. Who really knows how bad it is? Who really does? Well, God does, of course. But I, the Lord, verse 10, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So again, two kinds of people are described in these verses. Those who trust in people. And back then it was the false gods. It was the military strength of their army. And the second is those who trust in the Lord. God's people continued to sin even though they had the law of God, they had the commandments, they had the prophets warning them, uh, they had all the miracles from the past that God had delivered, was faithful to them. Those who trust in people are described as people with no hope or no future or wandering the wilderness of life. God then describes those who put their trust in him are like trees that are planted by a water source. And, and the roots, they go deep down below the surface. And they survive in the good days and the bad days because they're secure, they're grounded, they're, their roots go deep. They never stop producing fruit in their life. They never stop changing, becoming more like Christ because they're, they're growing, they're changing, they're growing. But like the people in Jeremiah's day, who had the law and the prophets? Why do we continue to sin even though we understand the eternal consequences? Why do we do it still? Well, God makes it clear why we sin. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Our heart is described as deceitful and wicked above all else. Now just think about that, above all else, wicked above all else. Of all the evil and, and wickedness in our world, it's inside of you and me. The heart is the center of our reason. It's the center of our intelligence and our will. But our heart is bent towards sin from the time we were born. 
Our heart calls evil good and good evil. The heart is desperately wicked, it's deadly, it's incurable. This tendency to sin is so deep that only God's redemption, God's love can save us. Have you ever done something and you look back at your decision and you wonder, why did I do that? (laughs) What was I thinking, right? Have you ever said something and you thought to yourself, how did, where did that come from? What? what just happened just now, right? Where did that come from? Well, it, it came from within, right? It came from inside of us. And whatever is in this heart of ours, as good as we try to hide it and as good as we try to dodge and avoid, God sees it all. He knows it all. The truth is God cannot be deceived by anything, even your heart and mine. Our heart is described throughout Scripture as this. It's hostile toward God. Our heart is described as being hardened against God, spiritually ignorant, proud, deceitful, sinful, and condemned. Wow, that, that's, that's tough. Those are tough words, but it's true. The inner thoughts and feelings are, uh, of an unrepentant person are opposed to God. They're against God. And, they, they, and because of that, it makes us reject His love. But when we do repent, the renewing work of the Holy Spirit transforms the human heart. Something supernatural begins to happen in this heart of flesh. The Holy Spirit enables us to love. The Holy Spirit enables us to to obey God. The changed heart is convinced of this need for God. Before we didn't think we needed God, but now we do because God's changed our heart. Then we're changed by this ongoing process and help of the Holy Spirit and the heart is given faith to grow begins to beat, begins to beat for Christ, begins to move, we begin to grow. Life happens, we're free. So I say all that to say this one sentence. The reason change is so difficult is because of, of the heart. The reason change is so difficult is because of the heart. Pause for a second and think about this. The reason we resist this process of becoming more like Jesus to change in the areas of our life is it's rooted deep inside of us. It's right here. It's our heart. Ultimately, that's why we resist change because of what's in here. We justify our attitudes that you know that a coworker has gossiped about us, even though we know we are to forgive. We we turn a blind eye toward a a business transaction we we know is dishonest, even though we know God wants us to be truthful, wants us to be honest. We allow thoughts to wander about another person in lust because we feel we deserve it, and even though we know that what what we lust after is like committing the actual act. We use harsh words with our family and with our friends, causing a rift, even though we know we're to show kindness. We apathetically try to lead our families in the way of God and we wonder why our kids are passionless. We do all, we do things and we say things justifying our actions and our words. We, we're good at that. Our heart is deceitful. It deceives us. Hey, I need that. Hey, I want that. Automatically the heart begins to change that question. You really want that. You really need it. Deceives us. When we really know the truth. It's our heart. It's deceitful and wicked. You see, it's all the more reason that we need God's help. 
Because we can't change ourselves. We can't change this heart of flesh right here. We can't do it. Only God can do it supernaturally. So I have this question for all of us. Just how much are we changing into the person and character of Jesus Christ? How much are we all changing? Myself, you. How are we changing to the person and character of Jesus Christ? Change is the process of becoming more like Jesus. We can talk and look at process, right? Things like that tree, you and I, that Jeremiah talked about that's planted by a riverbank where its roots begin to grow deep and, and life happens and we get a little bit stronger because our, deep, our roots get stronger and, and deeper and, and when the winds of, of life come, we're, we're secure. We will not stop producing fruit. In other words, this process of, of life itself, the work, the going to school, the relationships, the money, the marriage, all of it, all of it, we're changing. We're producing fruit in the process and seasons of life. The words extreme makeover are kind of a popular, you know, last few years and TV shows that totally talk about people that go in and just destroy a house and rebuild it or bathrooms or, um, you know, kitchens and backyards, all that kind of stuff. Well, the word extreme communicates radical, drastic, you know, a major change. And if you've ever done a remodel in your house, you know the process that it takes. It's long, it's tedious, it's dusty, it's hard work. Process. Um, We can talk about the becoming more part, the becoming more, like having a daily time with God, coming and supporting the vision here at Calvary, being a part of a small group, we could talk about the process, you know, of serving others in, in real need and, and not just here locally in this, this area, but around the world. Becoming more of a follower by using our gifts to serve others, using discipleship tools like Right Now Media um, to grow it in your faith. We could talk about all that. And as you work on your life, as I work on my life, we we, you know, we find that it's hard work. It's dusty. It's dirty. It seems like we're, we're not making any progress, but hopefully you can see that you are becoming more. You're becoming more. You're growing. You can see, like working on that remodeling job, that it's becoming more that, like you envisioned it. Every day you're putting a little bit more work into that thing, and you can see it becoming and forming, and it's becoming what you, what you want it to be. The outcome, when you're all done with that remodeling job, it's worth the time, it's worth the effort, and the sweat that it and the pain that it took to complete it. And we can talk about this morning the like Jesus part, following his example, responding in kindness when he did, if you read the Gospels, forgiving those who hurt him when he did, loving the unlovable and the unworthy like he did. We can talk about how he put others ahead of himself and how he showed compassion to the underdog how he gave without asking for anything in return. We could talk about that. We can look at that and examine that and really say that's what we need to focus on. But the, that's, you know, being like Jesus is a big task, isn't it? And if you think about it, God is in the extreme, extreme makeover business of making people new. You are making me new. You make beautiful things out of us. Making us into his son's image He takes the old sin-stained rags of our attempts of good deeds and good works and and he exchanges that for a brand new robe of righteousness. But you see, we could talk about all those things, but here's here's the bottom. We we know all that. 
We know we're supposed to read our Bible. We know we're supposed to pray. We know we're, we're supposed to be a part of a local body and to use our gifts and to serve and to volunteer and, and to, to, to tithe. And we know that we're, we should be in a small group. We even know that we should be connected to others to really be honest and vulnerable with others and allow them to, to look into our life and to grow. We know all of that. But we're still resistant to it, aren't we? We're still, there's still a pushback from us. Our heart still deceives us and produces all kinds of wickedness. And it was King Solomon who, who had so much wealth and he had all the wisdom and he had women He warns us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else in life, he had all the money and the riches and and the fame and the, the wisdom. He had everything. And he's saying to you and me, guard your heart. Everything flows out from it. Great advice, but it's hard to live out on a daily basis. The Apostle Paul reminds us in in Romans chapter 2, don't you realize that it is God's kindness that is trying to lead you to him and to change the way you think and act to, to, to repent? God's kindness is leading you to repentance, to change. So I ask this question that I've had to ask myself. What does God want to change in your life right now? You know the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. This morning, do you see his kindness patiently waiting for you? As I close this morning, simple. What matters? Not only to connect, how important that is, to connect with God and and with one another here, but to change. Come on, we all know that change is hard work. We know that. But we also know why now. It's our heart that resists it. David, the the shepherd turned king, said in Psalm 7, if a person does not change, God sharpens his sword. God will accomplish accomplish what he wants to accomplish in your life. (laughs) It's been said, keep changing. When you're through changing, you're through. (laughs) I read recently that we we have to give up this idea that change equals perfection. We sometimes, as followers of Christ, for any length of time, we get this idea that I'm not perfect, so I'm not changing. I'm not perfect, so I'm not changing. And that's, we have to throw that out. Perfection won't happen this side of heaven, but don't give up. You can't give up. Christianity is a marathon. It's not a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Hang in there. And by the way, don't expect perfection from others either, right? Husbands, wives, right? They're on the same journey as you. Thomas Kempis said this, Be not angry that you cannot make others as you wish them to be, since you cannot make yourself as you wish to be. Ease up a little bit. Leo Tolstoy said this, Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Change, it starts with you and it starts with me. It's a process of becoming more like Jesus Christ. Last week, we handed out Hershey Kisses to remind you to keep things simple. So this morning, as you leave today, the ushers are going to hand you some loose change. No, I'm just kidding. They're not going to do that. Okay? They're not going to do that. Some of you were falling asleep there, so I just wanted to wake you up. So. 
I close this as I did last week. Imagine that God has a big Lego box under his bed. And those Legos in that box are you and me. And he bends down, he picks that box up, and he begins to open it, and he begins to snap and to connect us to one another. Because by themselves, it's pretty useless. But when we're together, we can accomplish something. He's using a process for us to become more like his son. He begins to build something, not only in your life, and that's important, but together he's building his kingdom. He's bringing it down from heaven to here through you and I. He's molding and shaping you not only for connection, but for change. He's building his kingdom not only in you, but through you. And can I say this? That staying connected, we talked about it last week, staying connected to others, it helps us change and to stay changed. Because we need one another. We all have blind spots, and we need others. We all have issues that we, need, that we struggle with that we need to work through. And others, when we come alongside and we partner with them and they, we're accountable, we stay changed because people know our secrets and people know how we tick, and they help us in our struggles. So don't give up trying to connect with others because it will help lead to some changes in your life. I know that's difficult. As, as a Western culture, we like our individualism. We like this space. We like this. But that's not what Christianity calls us. It calls us to, to bear one another's burdens, to forgive, to, to lean on each other, to help one another. So, if you're a follower of Christ today, what is the Holy Spirit whispering to you about that needs to change? Will you have the courage to follow through on that change? The process, the becoming more like Jesus. Where, what's he speaking to you right now? For those of you that are here, maybe you're not a follower, you're still checking things out, you're, you're not quite sure about this Christianity, can I just say this? Jesus Christ wants to connect with you. That is the whole reason that he came to this planet to die on a cross to liberate you, to free you, to redeem you back, to rescue you from your sin yourself. Why would he do that? Because he loves you that much. Begin this journey with Christ. Put your faith and your trust in him today. So church, family, Calvary this morning, let's pursue the simple, not only the the connection of one another. Again, that's not easy to do. But understand that people matter. Relationships matter. Pursue that. Yes, we have to work. Yes, we have to go to school. Yes, we've got to pay the bills. All those things matter, okay? I'm not saying just throw all that away. but, But value people above everything else. Value, lift them up. Connect. Go deeper. Grab a cup of coffee. Connect. But then allow the Holy Spirit to, in that connection, to bring about changes that you might need in your life. This is not a simple message, right? It's supposed to be, but it's challenging. It's what matters. Let's pray.
God, this morning, uh, again, I'm challenging myself. The change that I need to make. And I need your Holy Spirit preparing this message, understanding how deceitful and wicked my own heart is. And I know it's true for all of us. But I ask by your Holy Spirit, will you renew our heart, transform us. Help us not to be resistant to change to what your Holy Spirit is leading us to change. I pray for this church, whatever area of life they're, they're facing, whatever you, Holy Spirit, have whispered into their heart, that they would have the courage this morning to not only connect with someone, to confide that and to say, you know what, I need prayer, I need help, will you help me? I want to change. By that, it's broken. The power of that addiction, whatever that issue is, is broken because of the Holy Spirit. Although it's difficult to pray, we invite you to help us to change, to become more like Christ. That's our goal. That's our purpose. So God, will you change our hearts, make it ever new. And it's not just a one-time daily, uh, one-time prayer like right now, but it's a daily thing. Simple, what matters? Change. I pray that we be a people of courage to allow the Holy Spirit this morning to change our life. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for your word that's anointed. It gives us the power. We need you, God. Help us never forget you are making something beautiful in our life. We give all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.